No Stupid Answers, Episode 6, the show with the most qualified people discussing and answering the most interesting questions from Reddit. I'm Colton Wallace, back with my podcast heroes today. I'm joined by queen of podcasting, Lori Asava. Hey, hey! PhD, Dr. Jessica Yazarians. Hey there! And uh, let me check my notes here. Um, we got somebody else. Um... Uh, uh, here, here it is, uh, Josh Lieto. Hey guys. <laughs> hey Josh. What's up? So, uh, Josh and Lori, you guys were not on the podcast last week, and um, do you want to tell us about why? We weren't on the podcast because we had COVID. Wah wah. <laughs> You guys doing okay? Not a fun experience. Yeah, sending good vibes to all those that are uh, locked at home, not feeling well. We send you our solidarity and our sympathies. We're doing great, Jessica. Thank you so much for the question. Today I would say that everything tastes like vinegar. <laughs> and like what kind of vinegar though? White like vinegar. Apple cider? White vinegar. Oh, just plain acetic acid. <laughs> and I, 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 yes, exactly. And I specifically went to the cupboard on Saturday because I was just smelling this smell everywhere. And I said, I know this smell. This is a common smell, but it's also really disgusting and overwhelming. Uh-huh. And I went through and I was like, where's the white vinegar? I found the white vinegar in the cupboard and I smelled it and it was, I said, wow, the thing, the, the natural flavor in my mouth is more intense than what that smells like to me right now, <laughs> but it is that same smell and taste. So that's what yeah. COVID has done to me. And for me, I'm lucky. Cause I kind of enjoy, I kind of enjoy vinegar. Lori's has been kind of tasting more of a sewage smell. Oh, God. <laughs> I have not, I have, uh, <laughs> I Lost a little bit of my smell. This is the second time I've had COVID. So put that in perspective. The first time I couldn't smell or taste at all. This time around was amazing. I could smell. I could taste. There was a little weirdness going on at first, but all is good. Wonderful. So uh, you guys have then been basically in quarantine? Yes. The good old 10-day quarantine. Um, And we've watched more movies than I think I've ever watched in a whole year of my life. Um, Any standouts? Let's see here. We watched Rain Man was not a standout. Boogie Nights was a great movie. Boogie Nights. <laughs> um, oh, I watched The Patriot. That was pretty good. Hadn't seen that one. Um, yeah, we did. Lori wouldn't let me finish the. We did the Patriot and Braveheart, but then we didn't watch. She wouldn't let us watch the Passion of the Christ, so we didn't get to see the the <laughs> Mel Gibson trio. I had to put an end to that. Yeah, I've never seen that one either. I've seen a couple of his films though. You've never seen the Passion of the Christ? No, I never have. It is worth one watch. Okay. <laughs> I've also not seen it. Oh, have you guys seen Apocalypto? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Is that the one with the Mayans? That are it like is. The painted, they're painted blue, and then at the end... Wasn't there a lot of backlash for that movie or something? Yeah, there was huge out? backlash yeah. for that movie. What was? What did people not like about it? Well, people didn't like that. Spoiler alert, it ended with the Mayan, this Maya guy literally running to the, to the ocean, and when he gets out there, there's Spanish ships yeah. in the harbor. And yeah. the Mega idea fucked. is that the movie was highlighting how... 
it's a high, it's talking, it's, it's all about human sacrifice and, mm-hmm. uh, how basically corrupt and terrible Maya society was. And that basically, um, the movie began, begins with a quote and is, I can't remember the exact details of the quote, but it goes something like this. Uh, society is destroyed from the inside before it is destroyed from the outside. Oh, and okay. the idea was that Maya society is a rotten society that was ripe to be destroyed and conquered. And at the end of the movie, that's exactly what is the implication because the guy is, ends up at the edge of the, uh, edge of the rainforest at the, uh, right by the coast. And there are the Spanish ships and, um, all of the crazy journeys that the characters have gone through throughout the movie, we all of a sudden realize don't matter because the entire society is about to be demolished from the outside. Yeah. Yeah. And it fuels this idea of cannibals and destruction and, you know, terror and a lot and, and depicts all this in a very othering, uh, exotic way, exotic and exoticized way. Um, and basically provides justification for uh, it. it, it I, I don't know if this was Mel Gibson's intention, but it basically provides justification for uh, conquest by European peoples. Mm-hmm. Ah, terrible. Gotcha. Dang. All right. Well, that's a that's a nice note to end that story on. <laughs> yeah. Still, still worth a watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll consider. So. Our first question this week is a question that we posed to Reddit. So this week we asked Reddit, do residents of hot climates dream of moving to colder ones? And I was the one to pose this question. So living in the Midwest, I feel like it's common to hear people fantasize about moving to a warmer climate like Florida or Arizona. I have never personally felt this way because I would hate living in a place where it could get unbearably hot for long periods of time. And... You know, I I guess I'm just wondering, are there people in warm climates that kind of feel the opposite and would like to move out of the heat and trade it for four seasons in snow? So that's the question that was posed to Reddit. Yeah, I'll jump in right away and say absolutely not. As a person that lives in a warmer (laughs) climate, I prefer this warmer climate. And there is no scenario in which I want to go to a colder climate. (laughs) I I had a big I had a hard adjustment when I moved out to the West coast. I love seasons. I like the change. I like knowing mm-hmm. the holidays that are I'm, are coming up based on how you feel and the weather. I love snow. I love all of those things. And it's beautiful here and it's beautiful sunshine, but it took me a long time to get used to this every day looking the same. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I'm one of those people that just like, flip-flop i'm i don't know if i'm always happy i'm not happy cold and i'm not happy warm so i might as well find a place <laughs> i like i guess i don't i don't know <laughs> you're hot cold i'm um, hot cold but yeah. isn't, <laughs> isn't san francisco though pretty like it's warmer than michigan but it's like it's not super hot yeah not the heat yes. of florida or arizona right yeah, yeah. we're right. not getting into like upper 90s and like 100 percent humidity so it's like it's actually ideal i would say it's like the ideal like warm climate because it's like low or moderate humidity you're getting highs in the 70s correct me if i'm reading yep. this wrong but yeah and it's like sun- and it's sunny so that that sounds fabulous come um, on down jessica 
but it's not like necessarily what I would think about as like a super hot climate, um, which I've lived in multiple um, and absolutely hate. So um, uh, yeah, I've lived in Arizona and Phoenix, lived in North Carolina and in Florida. And then I grew up mainly in um, New England area, Rhode Island, Connecticut, Massachusetts. And so I grew up with like snow and the seasons. And I think Western Massachusetts is a lot like Michigan. So I like love Michigan's weather, but I love being cold. And if I have to choose between being cold or being really hot, I'm going to choose being cold every single time because I hate being like super hot. Um, and I think of like those climates like Arizona and Florida as like, unbearable and since i've lived in both dry and like humid heat i can i feel like i can <laughs> fairly say that like both are horrible <laughs> so um yeah i'm one of these people that like when i was living in those climates i wanted to go back to like something that was colder i'd move north if we could but you know but jessica when you lived on when you lived in arizona did you not just go underground in the middle of the day <laughs> I wish we did because that's um, the there to me there's to me that experience is like uh that's like it's I lived in the desert of Southern California and yeah, I know yeah. it you know perhaps it's not as crazy as the as in Arizona and whatnot but I will tell you from my personal experience that there's just no comparison to having a cool shelter uh during the most punishing times of the day and uh I I I think that I I think that at the end of the day, I maybe I'm just a baby, but I can't get, I cannot <laughs> deal with cold anymore. I hate it. It's uh, terrible. Um, but so, <laughs> Josh, you bringing up the escaping to the cold, like that's kind of brings up something I always thought about it is like here in the winter, you know, um, it feels like everyone's like, oh, it's too cold. I have to be inside. But then in the summer when it gets hot, people are always like, oh, it's too hot. I need to get inside to the air conditioning. So my thought is when you when you go to Florida, like when we've been to Florida before, it's just like it's the same thing. It's just it's hot. So you're escaping inside to the AC versus escaping inside to the heat. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a, that's a really good point. And I mean, that just points out that I think that in a general sense, people want it to be like. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I think that I think that 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 explains why for me a climate like Northern California is more preferred because it's like not too hot and not too cold, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we get some rain, not a lot, um, but it's not a a dry uh, parched desert either. But I would it's say I would locks. say that I, I'll I'll go I'll go down with any I'll 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 agree with anybody in saying that. Uh, humid heat is the worst of the worst. It like the the lack of humidity out uh, you know out west is like what really what I really love out, about being out here. And yeah. um, uh, when you're when it's humid hot when it's like you know uh, I've mm -hmm. been to like the Carolinas which is not that hot in comparison to like what probably Florida. Um, but like that, it depends. That, but that's that like sweltering heat is uh -huh, to yeah. me, that is like bad and bad on top of each other. Oh, I agree. I couldn't stand it. My parents were always trying to be like, Oh, Jessica, come down to Florida. And my mom knew I hated the hot 
weather and she'd be like so it's 10 degrees cooler here in florida and i'm like compared to north carolina and i'm like look right. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's still really hot and my hair is crazy right now so yes. i don't want to hear it yeah. it's like walking into soup when you're like in it, a humid place it's just like a wall of like ugh, yuck so to look at our responses from reddit um josh most of them are in agreement with you that they prefer the warm climates um, some of them very aggressively saying that. Um, and as an example of Carolina versus Florida, there were two separate responses in there that had mentioned preferring Carolina over the heat of Florida. Mm. I guess it would depend on what part of North Carolina, because like Asheville up in the mountains, gorgeous, lovely, not as hot either. Yeah, I think it, based on what I was reading in our responses, it seems like Whichever way you slice it, there's always a coping mechanism. So if you're one, some people are in the camp of, well, you're in cold uh, weather, so you can always put clothes on and you can like bundle up and you can always add more, but in the heat, you can't. And then there's people on the flip side saying, well, when you're in a hot area, you can uh, jump in a lake or jump in a pool or, or go inside to the air conditioning. Like, I feel like there's always a coping mechanism, whichever way mm -hmm. you slice it. Sometimes I really like like that crisp air outside. It's just really nice sometimes just to, mm, if you've ever been yeah. to Florida in December, it is so goddamn hot. It's like, <laughs> December 25th, and it's just like 90. <laughs> okay, so to be fair, that was a little bit of an off year. Well, I, that's what I... <laughs> It's not usually... I don't think that's necessarily typical of December, January. It has January. been true at least one time. I don't think that there's <laughs> typical weather anymore. <laughs> I don't think there is. I don't know. I would like to share a quote with you guys about the... Um, about uh, how the cold is superior. So... Um, this from Prince. It is. Yes. <laughs> like on, uh, I had to look up where this was like said and in what context, but basically like on the Oprah Winfrey show, um, she asked Prince why he still lived in Minnesota, given that it was like super cold and like it's Minnesota. It's not L.A. It's not a cool city. And Prince's response was, it's so cold, it keeps the bad people out. And that was a 1996 interview. And I just like have always remembered that. And I'm just like, yeah. It does. Keeps the bad people out. Oh, can't argue with that. <laughs> Prince knows best. Mm -hmm. So I would like to give my best response award to Reddit user 7Z, who said, I live in Florida and cannot stand the heat and humidity. I don't fare well in cold weather at all either. But if I had to pick, I'd absolutely choose it. So okay. I, it's that, I'm since that one aligns with our our... <laughs> opinions we can give that yes, award yeah. uh, so okay. um, we're not biased at all <laughs> no. no no you know all right so and also i'll take the other side here and red red betty i thought had the best argument for the other side which said hell no i moved to washington i moved from washington state to texas because i couldn't handle the lack of warmth and sun i hate snow and i can't handle the cold so that that one's for you josh the nice warm weather for you but like don't you guys just don't you guys just love being cozy? Let's just cut that, actually. Let's move on. <laughs> I, love, I love wearing sweaters and boots. I do, too. I love scarves. I really do. Thanks for the responses to our question. And uh, now we'll move into user-posted questions. And uh, our, question, our next question comes in from user 
as cruel. And the question is, what's the proper etiquette for using a gift card? My wife and her family claim that when someone gives you a gift card to wherever, you're obligated to spend it on something considered a gift. So they're saying like, whatever you go buy for yourself should be like a gift type item. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're then getting into what's a gift. And then not like some like thing that you need, like groceries, right? Is that like, don't they like qualify it? Like it can't be a normal life thing. So I've never seen this as a thing before. Like I never really gave a specific thought when I was using a gift card as to like, oh, is this a gift like item? Have you guys ever seen this or follow this ideal? No, <laughs> I honestly... If I got a gift card, it's pretty lucky that I'm actually using it because I always forget them or lose them <laughs> or put them in a safe cupboard and don't revisit for like five years. Um, so <laughs> good to know things like Amazon for me. I love Amazon gift cards because they automatically go into my like credits and I can just use it as time goes on. But it never goes into like a gift for myself. It's usually the basics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, so I like very strongly disagree with the user's family's imposition of their opinion what he should do with um with the uh gift card because like if you give a gift um and it's a gift card the whole point of it is getting to pick out whatever you want so like if they are qualifying the giving of the gift card like to me this is like a seinfeldian type of like situation where they don't have the right to say what you use the gift card on once it's been given because it's yours now and also like i've never met anybody who's been like oh so what'd you get with that gift card I gave you and then like I've never been asked that once in my life and then like I don't know like if you tell them toilet paper who cares and also if you don't I'm getting indignant about this it like riles <laughs> me up a bit um false outrage I guess um but like if somebody wants you to buy a gift with their gift card and not groceries or whatever like choose something that doesn't have that so like I don't know where do people buy gifts from? Colton's Sharper uh, Image. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> sharper Image gift card. Oh, man. But like, I don't know. If you want to get somebody a gift and you've chosen to do a gift card, then like, and that's what you want them to get. Like, maybe don't get them an Amazon gift card. Get them like something to like, or some store that has gifts. Or just get them a gift. Or just get them a gift. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's so weird to me for somebody to be like, oh, no, you you have to use this, you know, this way. It's not the spirit of gift. And, like, if you're buying somebody a gift card to a restaurant, that's, like, a consumable item. So, like, what's wrong with using a different gift card for a consumable item? Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah. I do. I don't have. I haven't seen, like, etiquette for using gift cards. I do, we do have like gift giving, like underground gift giving etiquette, I guess, in my family. Like yeah. we try to avoid giving gift cards. Like mm -hmm. it's kind of like a, eh, you don't really think about us kind of thing. But I feel like as yeah. we've gotten older, it's really hard because we all have houses or we have like our own lives. We have a lot of things. And sometimes mm -hmm. you want to just like, 
give a gift card to help alleviate some of the pressure of using your own money or you want to give a gift card mm. that like helps you travel or see things or gets you out of your house or brings things into your house. So I, it's been an, like our gift giving policy is like try to avoid gift cards for presents in general. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I can't imagine them trying to impose like, oh, I did give you a gift card and now you need to buy X, Y, and Z. That would not go over in my family. Larry, do you guys still like all get each other gifts? Uh, we do Secret Santa for Christmas, oh, okay. and then yeah, for every birthday we give out we we go big on the gifts. I gotcha. Oh, nice. I so pro tip for anyone out there: you just if you're you know once you're older, talk to your siblings and just everybody agree that we should stop buying gifts for each other every year because <laughs> it's a wasteful thing where like everyone's just trying to buy something for the other people in their family and it's almost like senseless in a way and i i'm not saying i haven't given gifts to people in my family before but a lot of times it's just i find something and give it to them it's not like a set around a specific date on the calendar we give like one big gift so like all of us go in on a gift instead of like everybody individually picking out gifts. We go pretty big. <laughs> we like gifts. <laughs> like for Mother's Day. But I also have to clarify, I have four siblings. And then you add in if if my parents are included or not. So we can buy like pitch in a small amount of money and get quite a bit from it um yeah like we for mother's day we got my mom like a tv a, a new tv she needed a new tv but it depends on each sibling like one of my brothers just had a birthday and he is moving so like we're trying to we like found things that would work for his move or we gave him money to go towards mm -hmm. like gas or something or like my sister is in college so we bought her college stuff so like it just kind of depends, but it's more of a collaborative effort. That sounds impressively coordinated. It's shockingly coordinated for so many people. <laughs> Josh, what about you? Um, it's a very complex situation with gift giving in my family, and it's uh, so complex and confusing that I'm not even sure how to begin <laughs> to sum it up. But I think that Lori may have a perspective on this. It's not as coordinated, I guess, as, <laughs> as I... Josh's family does probably a lot more similar to your side, Colton, not really giving gifts. Um, and it gets a little political at Christmas time. Well, I, we tried for a long time. I, I, I tried to coordinate the gift giving for a long time in my family as sort of kind of being mm -hmm. a jolly Christmas spirit. But it turned out that they were not <laughs> helpful at all. And in fact, got mad at me for trying to like instruct them <laughs> into how to do this. And we tried to do Secret Santa for several years. Mm -hmm. And then one year, my one brother decided because he was angry at me that he and his wife were going to opt out of our Ouch. Secret Santa. And so because they because they opted out of the Secret Santa, it made them feel bad that the rest <laughs> of us were doing a Secret Santa. And as a result, my other brother had to contact me and let me know that well not just contact me but contact all the rest of us that were trying to engage in the secret santa a gift exchange so as to give gifts but not spend too much money on presents my brother had to contact me and say look i'm sorry the one that has opted out is uh he's quite upset that we're oh, still wow. doing the secret santa at all and so i think that we should just can this whole tradition 
And it was at that point that I uh, simply came to the conclusion that I think we're probably best off not giving <laughs> gifts anymore and not talking about it. So that's kind of where we're at. Um, but I always give gifts to my parents. But other than that, the the rest of the the rest of the family is uh, has been hung out to dry. I love the feeling of getting a successful gift. Like when I see something that I know a family member is going to like really cherish and love. And like sometimes that happens, but like sometimes it doesn't. So it's like an inconsistent like application. Right. Um, but like I love that feeling where I know that it's perfect and like I it just like feels like the right thing. And so I'll like get it every time. But if it's right. if it's like something that I just like haven't right. found the thing, it just doesn't make sense to me to just like force it. Right. Which is what I love about the idea of like doing a like a secret Santa or something kind of like an exchange like that, because then you can really spend time finding a, a gift that's like really perfect. Whereas if you have to buy a gift for everybody, then that is yeah. really that's really taxing and it's really hard and you end up finding gifts that right. are better yeah. and some that are um, worse. I also love a good white elephant. So we did them at work and we've done them um, at with Colton's mm. family. Um to like <laughs> remember that one year Colton where we had a water bottle yeah and nobody like, liked it nobody liked it and it was nobody, an it awesome was cool. water it bottle it had crabs on it it, it had just little crabs on the water it was, <laughs> it was so a cool swell, oh, like stainless steel water bottle and everyone hated it everyone hated it I couldn't understand why anyways the next year we did it again <laughs> and we got the crab bottle back as a secret or a white <laughs> elephant gift and I was I was just like wow, wow double burn but thanks for this bottle back because like I actually love it and appreciate it and I'm using it right now um <laughs> <laughs> but I love white elephants. Like, what what item can I bring into this mix that's going to be like the most fought for? And that's always my like goal is to have like in a white elephant situation, like have my gift that I brought be the one that like gets fought over. Um, Another I'm white elephant, Jessica and I were involved in. We were both involved in it, and um, <laughs> I took a bag of Oreos from somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I remember just, this. Did you no, make him Jessica cry? No, Jessica was upset that I took a bag of Oreos. Nice. She's like, "What am I? What are we gonna do with this?" Because we were we were going out to dinner after, so we go to dinner, meeting uh, one of our friends and their new like girlfriend. And Jessica has a giant bag of Oreos sticking uh, out of her purse. To be fair, the my objection. <laughs> oh my gosh, that sounds it amazing. Was, okay, so like my objection was that I had nowhere to put the Oreos. I had this like small ass purse and I just like had to stuff them in there. And they were clearly visible. But anyways, this has become like a point of like a just a very fond memory between me and our friend who is now engaged to um colton's friend anyways like she's just like oh remember the first time i met you and had those oreos that was awesome and i'm like that was colton but yeah i think we ate all of those oreos <laughs> always take oreos always take oreos you don't you can you don't need to find room your belly is room just eat them <laughs> But I think back to the original question, Colton, um, no gift giving, like fine print is allowed for gift cards, 100%. in my opinion. Give a gift if you don't want them to pick something out with the thing you gave them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you for your question. Our next question comes in from user trying to buy 750s. And the question is, if men use the cologne to impress women, since the branding of these products tell us that women love the smell, why aren't women using the men's cologne on themselves? I'm trying to envision what the, the user's like thinking when, when they're writing this. Like, 
are they thinking like an axe body spray commercial and like suggesting I want your bod <laughs> <laughs> yeah or like suggesting that like women like douse themselves wait pause do you guys remember those commercials where the the bod body spray it's like it says bod on it and it's got like just a guy with like a six pack on the front and the commercials are like a guy working out and then it's like the there's the this low singing right it's like i want your bod ew gross it's, no i don't anyways back to you, back to you. yeah i don't know what what the user is envisioning like with this um but as a fragrance lover um who like i i feel like I have gotten into fragrances just as from a collecting standpoint, but also like a chemistry standpoint. So I like love all aspects of fragrances. Um, but like, I know I wear men's cologne um, quite frequently because I find that like the distinctions of gender in perfume um, marketing and like, you know, there's suggestions more than really like rules not i guess real. none of it's, it's real yeah it's really not <laughs> and like some of the fragrances that i have that are men's cologne like i get the most compliments on and like they are fabulous wait are these compliments from women yeah and that other, would make sense or, <laughs> from other people or from men too <laughs> like um you know like one of my favorites like oh it's been a while since i wore this but was it was spice bomb from um victor and rolf and like there's some from l'occitane that i think are phenomenal like um men's fragrances that are more unisex and i think that this has always been the case that you can just like you can wear whatever you want if you feel like it smells good and it suits your personality and it like gives you the feeling because that's what fragrances are all about is like evoking like an emotional response or like a memory or like just like a mood. Um, and sometimes I smell a fragrance and it'll be like more masculine, but it'll be so like clean and like also beautiful. Like, so I don't think that there's any rules. I think you can wear whatever you like. Um, and you're starting to see this as a trend in more um, perfume lines and um, fragrance brands are kind of, going more towards unisex offerings um like there's some beautiful fragrances by hermes that are definitely like more unisex that i just like absolutely adore um so yeah i think that you can use whatever you want so why aren't women using men's cologne oh they are if you look at like um like reviews of fragrances like on sephora like you'll see like in reviews for men's fragrances, women being like, oh, hi, I'm a woman. I wear this fragrance and I love it. And I get a lot of compliments on it. So you see it all the time. I think it might be less common for men to wear very feminine, like florals or like powdery fragrances. Um, but I think that like women definitely wear men's cologne quite often. And it really just is so personal. It just depends on, on the fragrance itself. Plus one to everything Jessica said. I do agree that I think it's it's gendered when it yeah. doesn't need to be. Like if you like the smell, you like the smell and that's how it should be. I do think that there's different ways of like there's things that I want to smell like, like that I want to be around <laughs> all the time. But then there's like smells that I want other people yeah. to wear like I don't know if like my partner is wearing a different smell than me. Like I feel like that's that's good and it depends on what he likes or what they like and um 
I do think like everybody smelling the same way would be kind of weird. <laughs> I guess um, everybody using the same perfume and the same cologne, um, but kind of picking and choosing based on your personality is the right yeah. way to go. Yeah, I think that is true. Like, there's definitely scents like that a woman would wear that I would like that I wouldn't like if I wore them. So I think that's definitely a thing. Yeah, I don't know how. I would come to those conclusions, but I could definitely smell something and decide. Is it, does it have something to do with like pheromones? I don't know. <laughs> like me, Jessica, this is more in your science and Josh kind of world. Sex Panther? But, like... <laughs> so as far as I know, I don't think that like, I, there are companies that sell human pheromones, but as far as I know, like the research is out on whether or not these are like real and effective. Um, pheromones work for cats and like other animals. Like it absolutely can like affect other cats uh, or other animals. But like, um, and some people will like swear that like, you know, um, they love the smell of like their partner when they work out or like, you know, like things like that. And it's like a pheromone argument but like as far as i know i don't know if it's like if like human pheromones especially like bottled are like a legit thing or if they're they're not usually <laughs> incorporated into um fragrances um as far as i know maybe somebody can correct me on this i did take a insect class and lab at um in college and um we did this experiment where we took Bic pens and our like teacher put termites on the piece of paper and then we wrote with the Bic pens and the the smell of the ink in the pen is the same pheromone that like termites really like. So you could what? write your name and then they would march along the, the ink and like in a line because they were naturally drawn to that smell. Wow. And so I think... Scent is like such a huge, it's a huge part of our lives. And I don't know if we always really think deeply about it, but when people do put a lot of intentionality around it, it's, it's a very impactful thing like casinos mm -hmm. and theme parks. And like, even I, there's like somebody that, uh, at, um, I used to work at a company that made cars. They were talking about what sense do you pump into vehicles? What's the future of sense for shared yeah. vehicles? Like there's just so much out there that I think is untapped around like mm -hmm. scent. Um, but I also think that it is, has been completely defined by society of a, by like two yeah. genders and that's not where we live anymore. Yeah. And so we need to think outside the box. Okay, well, that's a great perspective, Lori, but I can tell you as a person who did the ant experiment with the pen as well in my introduction to evolutionary and organismal biology class in my freshman year at MSU, I got the pen that anger. had no effect on the ants movement at all. Okay. <laughs> These ants did not give a shit about anything that I wrote. And it, it, it is something that has emboldened me to go on and become a writer and a, a person that, that craft my writing because wow, back really... then, not even the ants that's because would listen it wasn't to me. Ants, now, Josh, I it's termites. So, <laughs> <laughs> it was the same thing whatever they were my pen the one that i got it was like i was like well the no hypothesis is that the pen would have no effect the ink would have no effect at all on the on the on the creatures Dad. and it turns out that from my experiment <laughs> the pen had no effect at all on the creatures 
So it was a very important, it was, let me put it this way. It was an important scientific discovery, but not the most memorable. Josh, what are you spraying yourself down with these days? Like Axe? I use Axe body spray. I'm talking about get some of that (laughs) ocean fresh, cool ocean, wild bamboo light scent. I don't go with the signature though. You do the signature Maverick. It's a little bit too confusing. All right. Confirmed. Josh uses Axe body spray. All right, cool. That is not confirmed. (laughs) (laughs) I actually some days, most days I use uh, Lori's deodorant because the the um, the container is blue and blue is a very friendly color. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the next question. We've got a question coming in from Lena0123. The question is, people who are interested in sports, how did you decide what team you supported? I have a couple thoughts about this. First off, one of the big things that has to do with uh, the sports team that you support is where you're from. And let me tell you, where I'm from, we got the best sports teams, we got the craziest drivers, we got the (laughs) funnest parties, and we got the smartest universities. And so people tend to support things that are around them merely because they're there and it's a game and you have a side that you can root for just because of your origin. And that's an important part of sports. And if you don't get that, you don't really fully understand sports. But moving on past that, I would say that uh, you can also support sports teams because, for example, you like their colors. That's me. So even though I'm, I was, yeah, I was originally from Michigan, but for example, I love the Philadelphia Flyers because there is nothing compared to that away jersey that is primary color black and secondary uh, orange and finally end up with those trimmings of white. There's just no other uniform in the NHL that's like that. So you have to root for the Philadelphia Flyers during the away games because their costumes are really cool. Okay, <laughs> I'd like to point out how historically relevant and important the Toronto Maple Leafs jersey is because they're just the best team in the NHL because I mean why aren't they well the jersey the jersey is classic it's if you really think about it in terms of Toronto Maple Leafs as like an icon for Canada right because that's really what that is you have the Maple Leaf itself but it's actually rendered in opposite colors to the Canadian flag so it's actually blue uh, blue is the primary color in the jersey. And I think that there's just a wholesome, inviting sense about that and also just being kind of a really great Canadian. So I think I'll throw in a couple uh, vials of maple syrup into this one and say <laughs> that the Toronto Maple Leafs is a great team. Uh, just for the jersey, though, in terms of their performances, they haven't they haven't really had a good year since 1999. Uh, I believe they haven't won a playoff series for like 40 years, I think. <laughs> But, they uh, haven't had a good year. And, and 1999 was the last year of the possibly good years. After that, they were done. So, I, I mean, the reason I like the Toronto Maple Leafs is because so many other people like that I work and interact with where I live are Detroit Red Wings fans. And <sighs> I don't I don't I never had a problem with the Detroit Red Wings, but like I hung out with some people who are really big fans and it irritated me so much that I started supporting the Toronto Maple Leafs. And now I'm just a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. That's what happens sometimes. Colton, that is so that is so funny because I think I did the exact same thing when I was a kid, and I just completely <laughs> in my own way. But like, I also loved the Toronto Maple Leafs just because everybody around me loved the Detroit Red Wings. Uh-huh. Um, but I always loved having the wings to fall. You, know, it, it, that's the kind of thing is you kind of pick another team, and then you have the wings to fall back on. You know, right. Just jump on the bandwagon when your team loses. Exactly, but the Wings—I mean, they're—they're they're a great team. Um, I really, I, 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 you know, 
I had a bunch of their posts. I had Fedorov on my wall when I was in third grade. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I had all these posters. And when that big, when they all got in that big car accident, that kind of made me a real fan, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you guys remember that? You guys remember that? That was like, that was like fun. That was like fundamental history for like, that was like the Colton. None of these, Jessica and Lori are not from where we're from. It probably wasn't a big deal to them, but like, I don't know if from Southeastern hockey, Michigan. Yeah. I don't know if any hockey was a big deal to them. When, when when you're from southeastern Michigan though, and like all these members of the Red Wings get in this huge car crash, it's like a bonding event. It's like a formative moment. Big news. It was it was the biggest deal. It was our boys, and I was like, "There's no way." I was like, "That's got to be some dudes from the New York Islanders. That's got to be you know some dudes from the Carolina Panthers, maybe." But no way that our boys from Detroit are gonna be and gonna be involved with this kind of this kind of uh, dirty. Uh, unfortunate circumstance <laughs> i mean you you kind of have a bias towards the team right like that's that's the whole thing with a fan like you end up being biased towards your players sure sure so a couple things that i've heard so far so you pick a you pick a sports team out of spite yep maybe the underdog yep. the colors or location and you have to decide which one is most important for you for me it's always the colors because i don't really I mean, sports are fine. It's not that I dislike sports, but um, I don't know any of the teams. I hardly know the rules. And so I like to go with colors because those make me happy. And I also do like to root for the underdog. I'll ask Colton. I'll be like, so who's the underdog? And like, I choose usually to root for them. And also I remember, okay, so growing up in um, Massachusetts, like the New England Patriots were like gods and like everybody loved the Red Sox. And like, if you didn't like the Red Sox and the Patriots, there's something wrong with you. Um, and mm. so I don't know, I kind of internalized some of those things too. So like in this contrarian vibe, like <laughs> I've decided I don't like the Patriots. Like I don't actually know anything about the Patriots except for Tom Brady was once on their team and they were good. So that's another example of like why people like a team is because the team wins. Like you'll see a team starting to get popular when they're winning. Yeah. And then I think even another one that I can attest to personally is because of a player. Um, I think you see this a lot in smaller teams like basketball. Mm-hmm. Like I like whatever team LeBron James is on. Right. I do like just, LeBron James. I'm just player. a LeBron stand. Follow a player. <laughs> For me, it was John Van Beesbrook. What? For me, it was John Van Beesbrook. <laughs> no, I heard you. <laughs> <laughs> I followed John Van Beesbrook from before I was born. Who is that? He is. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> John Van, the Van Beezer was the goalie for the Philadelphia Flyers. Oh, okay, we're back to the Flyers. <laughs> <laughs> <At> one, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was with the Oilers. I don't know, but he was number 34 and I was like, that's the, that's who I want to be when I grow up. Did you also have his poster or, or did like hockey have like, ba- like baseball cards, but for hockey, I had his action figure oh, okay. hockey cards. <laughs> I, I had, I had hockey action figures. Whoa. I had so many, I had Gretzky, I had Messier, I had all the greats plus a couple <laughs> Red Wings. I think there's another one in here, too. I definitely root for my college, and I paid a lot of money to go to that college, so I can root for them whenever the hell I want. Yeah. that's That one has strong roots, typically, I feel like, college teams. Yeah, like a formative experience with them. I don't know. I And that one, I will follow players from the Michigan State basketball team over to other teams. For example, the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um 
they they have our uh, number twenty three um, on their team, and I am and yes, full support. He was there when we oh, were at Michigan cool. State too. Um, one other interesting story I have about a sports team I like is um when I was in kindergarten, um there was a Super Bowl. And it was the Dallas Cowboys against the Pittsburgh Steelers. This was in the 90s. And um, the Dallas Cowboys were, like, heavily favored to win, which I didn't know at the time. I didn't really know much about football at at that age. So everybody in the class had to, like, before the Super Bowl, went and picked which team they wanted to win. And almost the entire class picked the Dallas Cowboys. And then, like, I was towards the end uh, because Wallace towards the end of the alphabet. So... We were putting stuff up there and like I like I thought the Steelers logo looked cooler. So I put my thing on the Steelers side and everyone's like, why'd you pick that? And they like they made fun of me because I picked the Steelers and then go on to the Super Bowl. The Steelers got clobbered and um, (laughs) I just had to face that because it was just I remember I still remember that experience of like picking them because I like thought you know, that color looks cool, but they were just heavily the other team was heavily favored and ever since then I support the Pittsburgh Steelers and I hate the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. Did you guys ever have a Charlotte Hornets um windbreaker? A starter jacket? Yeah, like the the teal the I teal had, and what? the purple, like all the cool kids had like a Charlotte Hornets like windbreaker jacket in like oh, middle my school. My brother had one of my brother had one of those and I definitely stole it from him and tried to wear it several times and he took it back from me very violently every time. Yep. yep. It's like give me back my damn coat. <laughs> yeah, have... dude, that that was off the chain. <laughs> yeah, so I think that my like desire to pick a team based on colors alone was like rooted in that jacket. <laughs> Um, we did not get to have those um, windbreakers when I was a kid, but all the cool kids had them, so I yeah. always wanted one. And those were arguably the best colors. That purple and that teal together, perfect, like, I don't know, 90s colors. So amazing. I'm looking at, I'm now looking at uh, hockey action figures on eBay. <laughs> I think that's a sign for a new question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we helped answer your question, Lena0123. And uh, with that, we'll be back after this short break. All right. And welcome back to the podcast. Our next question comes in from user Respect My Authorita. And the question is, if people consider declawing cats abuse, then why do vets still do it? Um, it's kind of a leading question, but we'll, we'll dig into the idea of declawing cats and why do people still do it. So declawing is the process of surgically amputating a cat's toes up to the first joint. So removing the claws from cats also involves cutting bone, tendons, and nerves. And this is illegal in some places, um, some cities. It's legal in New York, the state. Um, it looks like it's on its way to being illegal in potentially more states. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like the percentages have decreased over the last decade from the stuff I read. Um, and it's if the American Veterinary Medical Association recommends that it only be performed after exhausting all other methods. So it's not something that's... There's not a lot of like major groups out there necessarily 
putting their support behind doing it outside of as a last resort. Um, but it does still happen in some percentage of cats. Yeah, so I had always thought that decline cats was like, you know, like a absolutely horrible thing to do to your cat. I've read stories about changes in behavior, like negative um, changes in behavior where, you know, after decline, cats will become um, despondent. They'll be in pain even after the healing of their little paws um, and like also have like issues like using litter boxes. So I had heard that this was like always a terrible thing. And I actually have had this question as well. And so I found an article actually from a vet um, who talked about um, a study that was recently done. Like it was just a survey of veterinarians um, and this was conducted in 2014. So it's a bit old, but what they found in the survey, which um, about 3000 veterinarians had taken was that most of them will still perform the um, procedure about 73% indicated that they performed it while 24% says that they don't do it at all. Um, but they qualified with this. So the 73% of vets that actually do do this, 61% of them say that they do it less than once a month and that they usually try to, um, as Colton had mentioned before, um, you know, uh, recommend behavioral therapies and, and other options before declining. So generally, this is, you know, perceived as something that like vets don't recommend as the first line of defense. And so then, you know, like going back to this question, so why are they doing it at all? Um, and so I think that really the, the, the question is, if your cat is going to be surrendered or um, euthanized or declawed, like it's like a lesser of evils kind of scenario is the way that I've interpreted this. Um, and it seems to me that people aren't declawing their cats just because it's scratching up furniture. It might be for some other, other reasons. Um, and so like reasons that I guess have been quoted in other like, uh, articles, which we'll have linked. I found this really great one, um, that everybody should read if you have a cat, um, but some of the benefits, um, you know, uh, that people had stated to decline was um, protecting, you know, elderly or uh, diabetic owners that might have compromised immune systems from being scratched, um, uh, which could be really dangerous for those types of people um, and allowing cats to remain in their homes in those scenarios. So, uh, you know, and then. I, I was kind of surprised to see the percentage of the number of cats that are still declawed. So in 1994, about 24% of, of cats um, were declawed um, based on this one study I found. And then um, in, I think it was 2019, let me, let me double check that. Um, more recently, that has dropped from 24% um, to 21%. So it's like, it's definitely like out of fashion. And it's not like something that most people do as pet owners, but it is still available. And there are reasons to do it according to what I've read. Um, so that still seems like a pretty high percentage, though. I guess that's higher than I even thought it would have been. Yeah, same. And I same. guess the thing I don't think we can know, but I'm curious of is like, what is the actual percentage that's like a necessity and what right. what percentage is like 
people who are like, oh, I can't have them touching my furniture, so I got to cut their fingers off. Yeah, it's absolutely horrific. And I agree that, like, if you care more about your furniture than, like, your cat, like... I can't imagine taking the claws away from my little cats. I know. It's... I know. I know. I agree with you. I think it's barbaric. Also, it's cute because sometimes they're, like, our cats, like, they're... When they claw at me, they're usually, like, playful. Mm-hmm. So they're not they're not like trying to attack me like they'll nibble and like kind of grab you like they'll like grasp your finger with their paw. Yeah. Kind of like a little hand squeeze. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cute. But like they also, you know, like have started scratching a bit on our couch, sure. which kind of sucks. But like I'm not going to take their claws away because of my couch. Like I didn't get cats because they're supposed to be like perfect little creatures like you work on their behavior and like, and that's all that you can do. And we don't have any of these extenuating circumstances where it's either put your cat down or declaw it. Like, wow. so I, I, I also like think your point is about like how many of these tw- 21% of declawed cats are like absolute necessities. I think that's really like impossible to know. Well, two responses from the Reddit question thread. Um, one response was, well, if the choice is between declawing a cat and getting rid of the cat, it's usually better for the cat to get declawed. So like you had described earlier. Yeah. But then the next response was, and this is how I got a declawed cat, two cats in a row. Some people aren't okay with their pets destroying their homes and causing injury. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I just, yeah, I, my personal choice would be never to declaw a cat, but like, you know. Yeah. I, as a vet, you have to do right. You have to make those choices, and it's clear from like the research that most vets um, push back on this practice, at least trying to get owners to um, do some type of behavioral therapy first, or other things like putting like little caps on their nails. Like they can, you can put soft caps on their nails. You can just clip their nails it's not going to completely keep them from destroying stuff but like it definitely reduces the damage so if you keep them closely clipped like it does really help um but yeah i I think that like vets are pushing back on this it is the minority of cats that are declawed based on the statistics and there are other options so like i'm not so i won't be surprised to see this like and you know this type of legislation getting enacted in more states. I knew nothing about cats. I know nothing about <laughs> cats. I've never had a cat. Um, probably if it was up to me, I'd never have a cat. But yeah, I now know that we should not do that. <laughs> I had no idea what it meant until uh, yeah. you just shared. So very enlightening. Yeah, I feel like it's a cat's defense mechanism, right? Or its claws. So it's like mm-hmm. if you cats, it, it is going to whether you whether you do it or not, for whatever reason, in some cases, it may have to be done medically or something like this. Right. Mm-hmm. But the cat's going to have to adjust to it and it's going to be a traumatic incident for the cat. Mm hmm. Yep. Always lean on yeah. your medical professionals, such as your vet to help you. OK, well, I think we pretty well covered that then. Um, respect my authority. I hope we have sufficiently answered your question. And our next question comes in from Background Gur 4. And the question is, are my parents allowed to go through and confiscate my phone if I'm over 18, but they still pay for it? And to give you a summary of the story here, the user's mom found out about a Twitter group chat and the user was having harmless discussion and occasionally pictures of food or outfits. 
Um, their mom read through all the messages in the group chat and was mad and claimed that the user was wasting their time. And they explained the situation of the phone was bought by their parents for their 18th birthday. They live at home currently and are attending community college, but are looking to move out next year. My short answer is no. <laughs> they gave it to you <laughs> as a gift, first of all. Second of all, harmless interaction on the phone doesn't seem like a reason to confiscate. But also, you are 18 years old. I feel like there comes a point where your parents don't have ability to say that your Twitter conversation was good or bad. Like, I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm definitely on the side of stay away parents. I'm 18. You gave this as a gift. It's mine. And mm -hmm. that's where we're going. Right. Yeah. Aside from any like legal sense or anything, like it, I think there's something seriously wrong in that situation. Like it, it does not seem okay. And it seems like an extreme, like, uh, invasion of behavior. privacy yeah. yeah yeah like where's the boundary and like when i was reading through this i was thinking about how you know on your path to adulthood um it, it's built on trust and so the parents need to trust that their child who is now a legal adult like is going to make the right choices and that they have a right to privacy and to like talk to whoever they want and like exerting this type of control is just like unhealthy and like shows a, a lack of um respect for for their kid i think and like i think when parents tend to do this type of thing it really can undermine um you know, like the development of like a good adult relationship with your kid. And like, I I just like can't understand um, what the true motivation is for, for doing this type of thing. Um, it sounds like it's coming from a place of like, you know, care and righteousness on the, on the point of like the mom, but like you have to like learn as a mother that like you need to have a, a different relationship with your child once they are an adult. And part of that is respecting these boundaries. I think that it's time to get out of your parents' house and take, get your own <laughs> dang phone. That's what I think. I have to ask myself, is it really worth it for just a phone to be staying there? I mean, yeah, I agree. Sounds well, like the know, user it's just is about ready to move out soon. So at that point, great. And we don't frankly know all the details of this thing because as I'm hearing it, it sounds pretty innocuous. And if this is actually the nature of what's happening with the user and their phone, then I think that the parents are just being um, parents are just being ridiculous. But I also think that the number one way to cut them out of being able to tell you what you can do with your phone is to get your own phone. And yeah. and and uh, and. This is just a uh, this is just a piece of advice that is coming from me, and uh, that was my gut reaction to reading the very complicated story that was behind this question. So I think they're getting more than just a phone because it sounds like they're living at home, and it, they didn't make any mention of like paying a rent or anything. So I think they are like getting the benefit of living there. Um, but I agree with you, like for sure, like. You should try and talk to your your mom. You know, I don't know if it's both your parents, but there's definitely some unhealthy, like controlling, yeah, definitely. unacceptable kind of behavior going on. So, I mean, you should try and reason with them and you don't necessarily have to react in a strong way, but like definitely 
move out as soon as you can. If that if that's the way that is, you need to get out for sure. Like that's not a way to live. I mean, I think it like would depend on other factors as well, but like on your road to independence, like this is like a thing that is um, you know, a bit of a a red flag and like it's not really an accept acceptable thing for your parents to be doing at this point in my opinion but like also like being like yo get out as soon as you can like I don't know I I kind of feel like I would want to dial that back a little bit I think that you can have a reasonable discussion if you can have a reasonable discussion about it with your family and like kind of set this boundary it might be good for everybody and you know if you need to live at home for a while while you're in college like you know, and that's the best thing to do, then buy your own phone to circumvent this problem and, and push back in a respectful way on setting these types of boundaries and claiming more independence and, um, you know, be kind but firm about it when you talk to them. So I guess maybe I agree with you. I guess I was thinking if if the rest of your relationship with your parents is of this same ah, controlling right. nature, then I, I think it's a reasonable thing to want to move away. If this is the, a, the one thing where you're having kind of that disconnect and disagreement with them, then maybe maybe Jessica's right and I would agree with her. But if, if like this is one example of like the overall thing and it's all kind of follows this trajectory of this much controlling behavior, then I, I would kind of want to get out as soon as I could. And it sounds like from the user's uh, post, they said, they are looking to move out next year. So so that's good. But in the meantime, I mean, if you can get your own phone, maybe do that. Yeah, I think one of the things like I feel like for me when I was growing up, one of my first pieces of independence was paying mm -hmm. for my phone. And I felt like that was like mine to own. Mm -hmm. They couldn't take it away. And I paid for it. And even if you're not fully paying all of it, even bits of it or like coming up with a agreement that you will pay yeah. for it or whatever. I mean, still to this day, I use our family plan because it's cheaper for our phones, but I'm always paying for what I use and on my like cell phone. And so I would never think that somebody could come in and say, you're not allowed to use this anymore because I am contributing. So I think one of the first ways to get independence is by kind of taking ownership of paying for your phone, which you depend on heavily for. So I would just encourage the user to see if they can swing it, see if they can afford that. Um, and there's also two differences here. There's giving a, a physical phone as a gift, and then there's also paying for the phone service. Mm -hmm. I feel like if you've been given a phone as a gift, that is your yours to hold on to. The service is a different kind of discussion. And I think being really clear on how you want to approach that as a family or if you want to be off of your family plan. But those are two different things that you have to factor in when having yep. a phone. Good point. I but I would that. I encourage I encourage you to try to find some independence so that you can make friends. I think one of the big things that I heard from the story is you met some people through social media platforms and you were discussing things like food, outfits, things like that. I mean, that is how we make friends a lot of times nowadays. And so 
getting yelled at or like punished for engaging in conversations like that is also very restricting and being able to meet new people and have conversations and learn about other things around the world. So um, I don't think what you did is wrong. Sounds totally normal yeah, and that really your parents does. are overreacting and stepping out of bounds. Get out there. Pay for your phone. Get out there. <laughs> Good luck in school. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for your question, Background Gur 4. Um, I hope that everything gets resolved for you in the future with this. All right. And for our last question today, it comes in from user throw away. And the question is, how long do I have to be in a relationship before I can squirt ketchup directly into my mouth? This is something I discovered while living on my own. You take a bite of food, then pick up the condiment bottle and squirt it directly into your mouth. Also works with sriracha and yellow mustard, but not Dijon. I'm not a savage. I don't want to scare off my significant other. How long should I wait? <laughs> I say show you're crazy. Early, earlier the better. <laughs> Let them know what they're getting into. If you like it, they should like it. And if they don't like you because you put ketchup in your mouth, then screw them. Yeah, maybe she'll want you to squirt ketchup into her mouth. You never know. Or his. Or theirs. Oh, yeah, sorry. I was, I was for perspective of me, sorry. Jessica, <laughs> can I squirt? Can I-, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think you might need your own ketchup bottle. Like... I don't know how sanitary well, you Well, I mean, if you're a couple, you can share a ketchup bottle. It's fine. No, 10 years in the future, they have children, and they go to dinner, and they bring four ketchup bottles. <laughs> so everyone has their own ketchup <laughs> bottle. So you take a bite of hot dog, then you spray <laughs> Wait, does the ketchup go in first or oh, the hot dog? Oh, that's a good dog? question. They didn't say. I'm pretty sure you go hot dog first. But then, okay, so then you're opening your mouth with food oh, it's in gross, it. gross, right? It's kind of gross. Yeah, I guess they didn't think about that part of it. Well... I think it's totally fine. It sounds like it's fun, but like, whatever. I, I guess, so it's fine, but like, now that I'm really thinking about this, like, is this like an all the time thing? Does it get like annoying? You know what I mean? It also just sounds like a thing you do with your friends. Yeah. Which is like, oh, cool, you know, but like. I mean, I don't want to tell you to not be yourself, but. Are uh, you doing this in restaurants? <laughs> <laughs> with like right, a glass was, ketchup that's bottle. That's what I was thinking. Like the glass. <laughs> you gotta hit exactly. the fifty-seven just right. <laughs> yep. I I might suggest it's probably not ideal for first date etiquette, mm. but that's just personal opinion. I have never tried this. I might be a little off-putting. I'd say if if you are gonna do it during your first date you should at least bring along some funny conversation that goes alongside it or something. So it's not just all of a sudden you're squirting ketchup in your mouth without any. Yeah. I I feel like it also depends on the level of uh, class of the kind of restaurant experience. Like if you do this in a fancy restaurant, they might not be too happy with you. Are you going to get ketchup in a fancy restaurant though? I don't know. Are they going to serve? Hot dogs or french fries? They might put it in yeah, a ramekin. Yeah, they going to give you a squirtable bottle of ketchup in like a fancy restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you just have to take a spoon to it. Well, that was my first thought with this thing was like, well, what if you just put some ketchup and dipped it in the ketchup? 
that was honestly my first like that's that's well yeah this is where i'm like what's the difference between dipping your food in ketchup and squirting it in your also, mouth also it seems like an awful lot of ketchup like how do you control the amount of ketchup in this scenario cuz like what if you over squirt or it like doesn't shake up well enough and it's just the oh, water God. runny oh. part that gets okay, in your so mouth speaking <laughs> of the runny part of the ketchup so growing up um, I learned from my mother that she would, when she opened the ketchup and mustard, she would shake the ketchup and mustard. Then she would squirt it in the sink to get rid of the runny ketchup part. And I thought that was completely normal. So whenever I get the ketchup out, I shake the ketchup, then put a little squirt in the sink to get the runny bit out first. And I did that one time and somebody looked at me like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm prepping the ketchup. And uh, I guess that's not normal. I mean, does anybody else do that? It is not normal. <laughs> I, I would not know what you were doing. I would consider that very funny. I mean, just give it a good shake and it's good to go. You don't no. need, you don't need to squirt the squirt the. I mean, it's and it's one of those things where if you do that, it's fine. It doesn't affect your ability to get ketchup afterwards i mean it's possible you've eliminated the you know one percent of water that's there at the bottom or whatever but you know there's no reason to do that and if you did that i would say i would look at you and i would say i, I guess we're starting a ketchup war now like that constant <laughs> that constitute you, you're just you're yeah. just squirting ketchup in the sink now okay <laughs> well here you know I, i'll make sure to get that french's yellow and get it all up in the cupboards at that point that's a complete <laughs> sounds like some kind of weird kink we're getting order into, has broken down at that point is what i'm saying and the ketchup is not where it's supposed to be and uh you know that's all it can all be done without words just ketchup and mustard everywhere i just love i just love that colton called it i'm prepping the ketchup like what why does ketchup need to be prepped? so you can get the highest quality pour it's wasteful and I, it's, it's it's wasteful to do that but it's like I don't know that it's... I mean, that's a very minuscule amount of... But have you ever seen Colton do something like try to cut an onion? Like he like no, cuts out I've or never cut seen any objection, vegetables? Objection material is unrelated <laughs> to this question. I have seen Colton cut an onion and I thought to myself, wow, he cut that onion and like took off both sides, peeled off like a whole layer of it. And yeah, it... I mean, I started cutting my onions like <laughs> you gotta. He he's got to get the heart cut, I guess, of the the all the things. You got to prep your ketchup. You got to yeah, get the best of your waste. onion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Josh yells at me all the time for wasting. I so. like literally cut it all. Up. Like not the outside, obviously. Like I cut the top and the tail off. But I, like all the quality onion parts <laughs> I keep. It's just like i'm like why are you still cutting an onion it takes like five seconds to cut an onion but he's very meticulous about it so i bet i, I next great time, job the next time we're together i'll cha i'll challenge you to a diced onion contest when you, you need the, you need the best most uniform quality of diced onion and that's going to be balanced against the time in which it took you to do that and okay, i'm going to beat you be dangerous. no question about it i'm good you're done I... your game is over <laughs> but what if someone, we don't want to cut ourselves? Yeah, I, I'm not going to cut myself. I know how to cut an onion, but I'm ready to. I'm ready <laughs> to take you on. All right. Well, why does it have to be an onion? Maybe I want it to be something else. Well, I, what do you want? Pepper. I'm ready. You want to do? Dude, you want to do bell peppers? I'm down for bell peppers. I will destroy you in bell peppers. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Which... there's so much I have to learn based on how you use your kitchen 
Colton. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I'm like, uh, this is like a trap. Like, I feel like you're some A set chopping up this onion and I'm just going to get embarrassed out there. It's not even the onion. It's just the general way that food works. I'm an ace at that. Wow. <laughs> My wow. dad taught me how to cut an onion when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I've worked worked with her dad. He's the best. He will just, he he is not patient at all. He is right there on your ass all the time. (laughs) And it's like, he will take the knife from your hand to cut the food if you're not doing it fast enough. In general, Colton, that is weird that you put your ketchup in the sink. And uh, for our user, I believe that you should feel comfortable in your own skin, do what you like, but also think of the optics when you're uh, out and about and uh, bring some funny banter with it and i think whoever you're with will enjoy it what kind yeah. what kind of funny banter like you come prepared you'd be like you like squirt ketchup <laughs> in your mouth and you're like and that's what a tomato tastes like like what do you even say like i just do that because i'm crazy <laughs> no you okay let me think uh hand the bottle to the other person you next that's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> ask for a couple shot glasses <laughs> fill it with ketchup can we get a second bottle of ketchup for the lady? <laughs> Pretty good. That would make you laugh. Oh. I'm going to have to You're try so this charming. Now. Wow. Wow. I don't think I'm coordinated enough to like do that. I, I definitely don't... am not. And make if sure I'm on a date, I'm not the trying to. first to clear the pourer. <laughs> <laughs> to prep your ketchup. Life lessons. Oh, all right. Thank you, Internet, for all the great questions today. Uh, send your thoughts or questions to our email, no stupid answers podcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at NOSA Podcast. That's at N-O-S-A underscore podcast. If you like what we're doing here, please rate us five stars on your podcast app of choice. Maybe tell the friend, tell a friend about the show. Subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts, and we'll see you next time. Bye, all.